Welcome to the Course in Miracles podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before Breath, breath, Course in Miracles podcast, lesson 137. So we are well, 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 well on the way. You are well on the way. And we are continuing to just plow right through this beautiful, miraculous course. I had some amazing experiences this morning or an amazing experience reading through the first 50 principles of miracles in the text and just the beginning of the text, just the first like chapter is just the first section of the first chapter is so profound. It's just so powerful. And I just had this beautiful beatific moment where I was just completely uplifted beyond the body. And it was, it was just amazing. And then I was doing yesterday's lesson which is sickness is a defense against the truth. And you do that for 15 minutes, you know, twice a day. Sickness is a defense against the truth. I will accept the truth of what I am and let my mind be wholly healed today. So I, I said that prayer rather. And and it says healing will flash across your open mind as peace and truth arise to take the place of war and vain, imagine, and vain imaginings. And boy, did that happen. And I haven't been taking the pain meds. I, I haven't, you know, been taking excessive amounts of coffee or drinking excessive amounts of coffee. I've just been focused on being really present. And I tell you what, this course, this stuff will sneak up on you. It will just, it will sometimes just hit you like a a jackhammer or a, it's not the, the best example, but it will, it will hit you sometimes like a sledgehammer, a sledgehammer of God. And it's amazing when that happens. So just keep doing it. Do these lessons to the best of your ability. And you will have these sort of sublime moments that just start to happen in your world. And I, I have a website blocker. It's a, pro, it's a website. It's called freedom.to. And it's like 20 bucks a year. And you can set it up so that you're not allowed on the internet basically all day. So I did that today. And so I didn't have any YouTube. And I just read some David Hawkins. I read the course. I cleaned my place a little bit. I moved around to the best of my ability with one arm. And then I had to go pick up my electric, my one wheel. If you don't know what a one wheel is, Google one wheel. I had to go pick up my one wheel from the ranger station because they basically confiscated it from me when I was rescued. And, and so they've had it for like a week and they haven't been getting back to me and I was getting all freaked out about it. And, um, they, they finally called me yesterday and I had an appointment to go get it today at 11 o'clock. And so I swing into the ranger station. This is the ranger station of the Canyon where I wiped out Rancho Penasquito Canyon in San Diego. And I, I knock on the door and he's like, come on in. So I go in and it's this, you know, it's like a ranger, ranger stations are just ranger stations. You know, they're, they are what they are. And there's like these t- topographic maps, topography maps and whatnot. And so the guy who's giving me my one wheel back is just this big, super strong Ranger Rick looking forestry guy. You know, he's really clean cut. He looked like he could be in the military. You know, he's like forest military guy. And he's, he's probably about 220 pounds built like a brick shit house. And, and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm here for the one wheel. And he's like, so, uh, have you learned your lesson about riding the one wheels in the, in the parks and on the trails where they're not allowed? And it was like, Yes, sir. And then I realized that part of the picking up of the the part of the picking up of the one wheel process involved listening to the lecture of the forest ranger 
And if there ever was a Ranger Rick, this was in fact Ranger Rick. So just picture like a clean cut military looking, almost like drill sergeant looking guy, but forestry guy, but a forest guy. This guy loves the earth. And I really had to just humble myself. And he, we had this amazing conversation. We probably talked for about 20 minutes and he was explaining to me the, the, how fragile the ecosystem is. And he was explaining to me how electric vehicles in the, in the parks are incredibly damaging to trails and they're very bad for the ecosystem. And he explained all this and, and he explained to me the danger and he explained to me about, there was this other guy who they had to rescue who had a compound fracture a few years ago who almost died because his bone popped through his skin and nicked an artery and he was bleeding to death, which I was afraid of that happening when, while this thing was happening, the situation was happening. And then he told me there's this really cool part of the trail way up at the top where I would ride on this mesa and there were these like dirty swamp looking, they're like, it's like this dirty swamp looking pools sort of. And there's trails that go around the pools and I would weave in and out of these, these dirty pond pool looking things and didn't really ever pay him much attention. It just looks like dirty water. It almost looks like sewage water, you know? And he explained to me that there's this particular species of shrimp that thrives, that lives an entire life cycle from birth to death, and then they lay the eggs in the mud for the next rain. And when the puddles dry up, when the sun gets real hot, when these pools dry up, then the the life of the, the shrimp are over. So there's these inland, like, mountain mesa shrimp that exist in this natural habitat where I was just screaming through on this electric vehicle like a moron, basically. Like a completely unconscious, disconnected, disrespecting to the planet type of a guy who, it's very obvious now, who very much got exactly what it was that he deserved. Not that I was deserving of this, but it was a very... It was, a, it was most definitely a very serious course correction. I can see the extent to which I was really out of whack in my life. And this very eloquent, quote unquote, eloquently put me back into check or put me in check. So we had this really amazing conversation. I, I'm a very curious person. So um, as, and my defenses were never really up. I, I had no intention of playing the jackass at all as I'm standing there with a broken arm, you know, and a casted arm. But I have so many questions and for him. And these these people work so hard. He told me that to, to get one trail even ready, it takes seven years to even get the spot where the trail's going to be like, you know, chipped out or whatever. And if you're ever on a trail and you come to like a little staircase maybe in the trail and it's like three or four or five steps you have to go up, that, that, could, that takes a, cra- a trail crew. Like that could take a trail crew literally days to build. And then we just plow through it. And I started thinking of this whole situation through the lens of like, what if I was like a little, like a little lizard? Because there are little lizards out there and they scurry in front of you on the trail. What if I was like a lizard in like this massive giant on this machine just comes flying through my home? You bet your ass I'd be running for dear life. And then you got to think about mother nature itself. What if there are rattlesnakes out there? What if I had wiped out and a little rattlesnake hadn't been too happy that I was plowing through its home and wanted to defend its home? Rightfully so. What if that had happened? And so it was such 
a profound learning experience for me being with this ranger guy. And he was, he wasn't mean. He was totally respectful and, and he was, he was a good guy, but he had some things that needed to be said. And thank God in large part due to this work, I was open to, and open to what he had to say and receptive to everything that he had to say. So we had this really amazing exchange, you know, of energy. And so now I'm, I can assure you, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, I'll ride my one wheel around on the street and through the neighborhoods and there's so much fun you can have with it off trails, but I'm not going to go on places that aren't designated for this sort of thing. And because I, I see it as an affront to this planet, to planet earth. I get a little, I've, I've been accused occasionally of being a little bit conservative. I am like, I am a conservationist at heart. So that side of conservative conservatism that says you should just be able to dump whatever you want in the ocean and screw the land and screw the trees and chop the trees down so humans can use them. No, 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 no. I'm about as far removed from that as can, I wouldn't say as far removed from that as can possibly be because I feel that loggers deserve to make a living and that oil workers deserve to make a living. But, but regarding like the planet and, and us needing to have a fundamental reverence for that, that is, I hold that that's something I truly value. So this was really an amazing wake up call for me. And I think about all the people that I flew by going too fast, you know, just like a quick, excuse me. And then like hauled ass by them and who I could have fallen off and run right into. I think about the dogs that I've scared. I think about, there's so much that this really got me to think about. And I will ride trails again. I'm sure of that, but I will ride them with a different with a far less reckless mindset. This is, I was basically have a redneck mindset on this. It's just like a one wheel redneck. You know, this thing is mine to the, this earth, this land is mine to use and abuse. Nothing against rednecks. Excuse my politically incorrect language there for, for those of you who are woke. Um, sorry, sorry. Had to go there. Had to go there. Anyway. Um, let's move on with one lesson. One thirty-seven. This is a great lesson. They're getting a little shorter I noticed, so this is about 10 stanzas uh, shorter than the last couple lessons. The last, you never do like a really long, long yoga class and, and it starts off in warm-ups and you feel great and then the really gnarly part of the class hits and then it gets really excruciating for a while and then you calm down. I like to think that we might be past the excruciating part of the Course of Miracles, but I'm not sure and I'm not going to read ahead. Anyway, amazing, beautiful, wonderful lesson, which this kind of riffs on what I was talking about earlier before I got to the lesson. When I am healed, I am not healed alone. Today's idea remains the central thought on which salvation rests. For healing is the opposite of all the world's ideas which dwell on sickness and on separate states. Sickness is a retreat from others and a shutting off of joining. It becomes a door that closes on a separate self and keeps it isolated and alone. So mind you, the lesson yesterday very clearly stated that if you get your mind right, the body will be just fine. The body is nothing. We have to get our minds right. That's it. And if we get our minds right, the body very often follows. You can dive into the work of David Hawkins uh, around this stuff. And very often, if you do all the inner healing that's possible to you know, to heal the body and the body still doesn't heal, then very often there's some karma that you're paying off. There's actually some karmic debt you're repaying. Um, I'm not going to get into the laws of karma because I don't know them entirely well, but 
I will, I can assure you that what happened here was very karmic in nature for me personally. Sickness is isolation, for it seems to keep oneself apart from all the rest to suffer what the others do not feel. It gives the body final power to make the separation real and keep the mind in solitary prison, split apart and held in pieces by a solid wall of sickened flesh, which it cannot surmount. That's some powerful stuff. The world obeys the laws that sickness serves, but healing operates apart from them. It is impossible that anyone be healed alone. In sickness, he must be apart and separate. But healing is his own decision to be one again and to accept his self with all its parts intact and unassailed. In sickness does this self appear to be dismembered and without the unity that gives it life. But healing is accomplished as he sees the body has no power to attack the universal oneness of God's son. Sickness would prove that lies must be truth, but healing demonstrates that truth is true. The separation sickness would oppose has never really happened. To be healed is merely to accept what always was the simple truth and always will remain exactly as it has forever been. Yet eyes accustomed to illusions must be shown that what they look upon is false. So healing never needed by the truth must demonstrate that sickness is not real. Healing must thus be called a counter dream, which cancels out the dream of sickness in the name of truth, but not in truth itself. Just as forgiveness overlooks all sins that never were accomplished, healing but removes illusions that have not occurred. Just as the real world will arise to take the place of what has never been at all, healing but offers restitution for imagined states and false ideas which dreams embroider into pictures of the truth. Yet think not healing is unworthy of your function here, for Antichrist becomes more powerful than Christ to those who dream the world is real. That's some powerful stuff. For Antichrist becomes more powerful than Christ to those who dream the world is real. The body seems to be more solid and more stable than the mind, and love becomes a dream, while fear remains the one reality that can be seen and justified and fully under. Stood. Just as forgiveness shines away all sin and the real world will occupy the place of what you made, so healing must replace the fantasies of sickness which you hold before the simple truth. When sickness has been seen to disappear, to disappear in spite of all the laws that hold it, when sickness has been seen to disappear in spite of all the laws that hold it cannot but be real, then questions have been answered. And the laws can no longer, and the laws can be no longer cherished nor obeyed. Healing is freedom, for it demonstrates that dreams will not prevail against the truth. Healing is shared. And by this attribute, it, pu- it proves that laws, unlike the ones which hold that sickness is inevitable, are more potent than the sickly opposites. Healing is strength. For by its gentle hand is weakness overcome and minds that were called off and that and minds that were walled off within a body free to join with other minds to be forever strong. So again, I'm going to come back to this example, the recovery community, the way that the higher power, AKA God, Holy Spirit, JC, whomever works through human beings to heal one another of uh, insurmountable and helpless, insurmountable ob- obstacles 
and helpless states of mind and body is truly miraculous. It is the absolute definition of what this stuff is all about. So nobody recovers alone. And it is that unity that brings these, uh, these tortured and wretched souls together. It's the, it's the unity that heals above and beyond anything else, in my opinion. Healing, forgiveness, and the glad exchange of all the world of sorrow for a world where sadness cannot enter are the means by which the Holy Spirit urges you to follow him. His gentle lessons teach how easily salvation can be yours, how little practice you need to un- how little practice you need undertake to let his laws replace the ones you made to hold yourself a prisoner of death. His life becomes your own as you extend the little help he asks in freeing you from everything that ever caused you pain. And as you let yourself be healed, you see all those around you or who cross your mind or whom you touch on or whom you touch or those who seem to have contact with you healed along with you. Read that again. And as you let yourself be healed, you see all those around you or who cross your mind or whom you touch or those who seem to have no contact with you healed along with you. So this prime example of this will be uh, when a person in recovery, when they really are given the gift of recovery, the, the gift of sobriety, then their entire universe heals with them. Their family, their friends, their friends of their friend, their friends of their friends, their friends of their friends of their friends get a little piece of that miracle dust, as opposed to the angel dust that they were afflicted with prior. Sorry if that's an off-color joke. Perhaps you will not recognize them at all, nor realize how great you're offering to all the world when you let healing come to you, but you are never healed alone. And legions upon legions will receive the gift that you receive when you are healed. So it's a ripple effect. It's like dropping a pebble into a pond. Those who are healed become the instruments of healing. Nor does time elapse between the instant they are healed and all the grace of healing it is given them to give. What is opposed to God does not exist, and who accepts it not within his mind becomes a haven where the weary can remain to rest. For here is truth bestowed, and here are all illusions brought to truth. Would you not offer shelter to God's will? You but invite yourself to be at home. And can this invitation be refused? Ask the inevitable to, the inevitable to occur, and you will never fail. Ask the inevitable, so healing is inevitable, to occur, and you will never fail. The other choice is but to ask what cannot be to be, and this can not succeed. Today, so in other words, um, not, the other choice is but to ask what cannot be to be, and this cannot exceed. So um, asking that, the, that we be able to manipulate inside of the, the illusion. I believe that's what that's getting at. Again, drill through this stuff if you have the time and the energy powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. I kind of feel like I need to call Marianne on that one. Today we ask that only truth will occupy our minds. The th- that thoughts of healing will this day go forth from what is healed to what must yet be healed, aware that we will both occur as one. We will remember as the hour strikes, our function is to let our minds be healed, that we may carry healing to the world, exchange curse for blessing, pain for joy, and separation for the peace of God. 
Is not a minute of the hour worth the giving to receive a gift like this? Is not a little time a small expense to offer for the gift of everything? Yet must we be prepared for such a gift? And so we will begin the day with this and give 10 minutes to these thoughts with which we will conclude today at night as well. Here's the little prayer. When I'm healed, I am not healed alone. And I would share my healing with the world that sickness may be banished from the mind of God's one son, who is my only self. Let healing be through you this very day. And as you rest in quiet, be prepared to give as you receive, to hold but what you give and to receive the word of God to take the place of all the foolish thoughts that ever were imagined. Now we come together to make well all that was sick and offer blessing where there was attack. Nor will we let this function be forgot as every hour of the day slips by, remembering our purpose with this thought. When I am healed, I am not healed alone. And I would bless my brothers, for I would be healed with them as they are healed with me. Thank you so much again. Lesson 137, we have a gigantic chunk of this course completed. We are well past the third of the way mark and well on our way to the halfway mark, which will be the next milestone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talk to you next time on Course in Miracles podcast. Bye-bye. 